Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We are still in that baton race we spoke about a couple weeks ago, where we've got two different seasons or cycles of the life of Christ. In other words, the liturgical calendar of the church, because the church is Christ present on earth. And so the liturgical calendar of the church is basically the life of Christ. And it basically has two fundamental cycles. The descending one, which we're coming through, we're having the last sort of shades of that all the way up until the first week of February which concludes the descending part, in other words, the manifestation, the illumination, the incarnational part of the cycle, because Christ will be presented into the temple to the just elder Simeon. That's the last of the manifestations of Christ. That is overlapping just like the two baton runners, the runners in a baton race, where the runner behind with the baton is going to pass it on to the runner in front, but that runner in front already starts running, so you have two runners at the same time. Well, so too it is in this cycle of the church's liturgical calendar, because the second cycle starts to run already, while the previous cycle, the cycle of the descending action of God, is ending. Although the essence of it never ends, God is with us, God has shown himself forth, God has come on earth, and he is and will be seen and shown and present forever. But the intense time of entering into that mystery, such as Christmas and the Ophany Epiphany and so on, that is passing on. And the time of the pre-Lenten season, moving into Lent and then into, of course, Holy Week, the death and resurrection of Christ is starting to move in. So we've got the two runners in the baton race running together. And today in the many Byzantine liturgical calendars, we have the first day of the official pre-Lenten season. That's right. We have a Lenten season and a pre-Lenten season. In other words, a warm-up to it. And the first official one of that cycle is today, in which we have the theme from the gospel of the publican and the Pharisee. You remember from Luke's gospel, chapter 18, the two men that went to pray, the Pharisee went up front, boasted to God about all his virtues, how he obeyed the law, and he was a righteous person. And then the publican who stayed in the back then even raised his eyes up and kept beating his breast saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
So we have those two, like the two runners, we have those two together in this story. And it's very providential because we're running with two different cycles of the liturgical season. This one is now starting to take over, the penitential cycle. This is going to be the ascending cycle of Christ. Once he has descended totally, that is, into hell, as we say in the Creed, where he breaks the bonds of Hades and raises us up. See, from that lowest point starts the ascending cycle, where he ascends all the way to heaven and takes human nature with him and mounts us on the throne of heaven with him. Boy, what a what an example of God, of, of a determined love of God as that action, descending, taking on everything that is bad and ugly and terrible, but breaking its power and ascending with us to the heights of heaven. It's incredible. How can anyone not love God? How can anyone not believe in God? And the church is certainly there to help, at least in its liturgical cycle. I'm not talking about the mistakes, the human weaknesses of the church that people often look at and then lead the church or criticize it or say they can't believe in it or God. We're talking about the genius of the church. And the Eastern churches, the, perhaps the single greatest genius is this, what we call living in the both and. And this first Sunday of the liturgical cycle that enters us into Lent, in other words, the first pre-Lenten Sunday, is a wonderful example of living in the both and. It's also an example of how we sort of tell it like it is in our prayer in the Eastern churches. I'll give you an example. Remember, in the Eastern churches, it's the case in the Western church as well, but especially in the Eastern churches because of our dogmatic hymn, which forms a lot of the sort of the guts or the meat of our prayer services. In those hymns, those dogmatic hymns, and they are dogmatic. In other words, we're basically proclaiming our faith, sometimes in very colorful language, in very, uh, shall I say, straightforward language. Sometimes we <laughs> profess our faith that way, but it's still our prayer. For example, on this Sunday in the morning prayer, we say this, from the dunghill of passions, the humble are lifted up, but the heart of the conceited falls from the height of virtues. Let us flee from this vice. Now, there's the both and going on there. Obviously, it's a reference to the publican and the Pharisee and how they both prayed. But something interesting is going to be revealed in more of these prayers. You see, it says here, in again, in the morning prayer, the matin service, which is a very, very comprehensive service for our church, the abundance of virtue is brought down by pride, but in the absence of virtue, humility obtains justice. Let us also seek to obtain this gift. So, in other words, we're looking at virtue and humility. The Pharisee, you know, oftentimes when we read this story, the Pharisee is definitely the bad guy and the publican, the humble publican, the back of the temple, beating his breast, doing repentance, is the good guy. He's the example. Well, this is, of course, true. However, there's a both and element here that is brought out in the Byzantine liturgical prayer for this Sunday, and it's this. The Pharisee is actually credited with having virtues, virtues which our liturgical text will tell us we should imitate. Can you imagine that? We're supposed to imitate some of the bad guy in this story. But our preference, as the liturgy calls us to in the scripture, is to, of course, imitate most the public, in other words, his humility. So we say this in our prayers, and again, our prayers are what we believe. Let us strive to imitate the virtues of the Pharisee, and let us follow the humble path of the publican. In each of them, let us hate excessive pride and the weight of sin. 
How about that for a different twist? I bet you haven't heard that before. Well, you get it exclusively here in the liturgy of the Eastern Church, in particular our Byzantine Catholic Church. It is actually saying about these two, it's a valuable lesson for us in terms of how we look at other people and judge them or not judge them and to look at ourselves in relation to others, but to look at it honestly. For it's saying that the Pharisee, although he's ultimately the bad guy in this story, he has some things to imitate. How about that? Isn't that something like we're supposed to see good wherever we can and in everybody, no matter how bad they might be? Because in the end, we are made the image and likeness of God. So even though we can be very bad, there's still a part of that image of God that remains in us, that's indelible and never goes away. We can lose the likeness, in other words, how we act like God, how we are like God, but we cannot ever lose that indelible mark that is the image of God. And there are good virtues, even in so-called bad people. So we look for those, but we say in this liturgical text here, hate excessive pride. So this was the problem of the Pharisee. It's not that he was all bad. It's just that all his goodness was, well, essentially kind of canceled out, like the liturgy says, by his excessive pride. In other words, his vanity. On the other hand, the publican, he was the one that was vindicated because of his repentance and humility, but he also had, as the liturgical text says here, the weight of sin. So he wasn't all good either. It wasn't black and white. It was both and. Something to be learned in this story from Luke's gospel from both characters here. Even the one is more of the good guy than the other. Still, there's a both and character. Let's look at a few more texts. The Pharisee was conspicuous for his virtue. See, conspicuous for his virtue. In other words, people looked at him and said, wow, there's an honorable guy. There's a righteous guy. He obeys the rules. He obeys the law. He's the Pharisee. They know the law and they live by it. So it says the Pharisee was conspicuous for his virtue and the publican for his sin. Wow. Publican was publicly known for his sin. Basically, he was a tax collector and they were public sinners in the time of the scriptures because they would collect tax, but they would intimidate people to give more tax than they owed, and they would abscond with that. So they were, they were real shysters. They, they were just slime. They were just hated. So the publican, a tax collector, had definitely a public sin. One had a public virtue, the Pharisee. The publican had a public sin. But then the liturgical text says this, but the one was humble for his evil pride, and the other was exalted for his humility. You see the both and? They both got what they deserved. One got a kind of a humbling, and the humbler one got the praising or got the affirmation. But yet they both had sin. Another text, ambushing the just. I like that. Ambushing the just. The seducer despoils them by means of vain glory. As for the sinners, he binds them in the net of all despair. But let us emulate the publican and seek to avoid all these evils. See, once again, we have that both and, where a person can have virtue, but that virtue can be basically, well, it's good to imitate, but it can basically be turned to naught for them because it was done in pride. Whereas the humble person was definitely a sinner. We don't imitate that humble person's sin, 
but their sin was overcome by their humility. More about this when we come back. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you I'm Joe Murphy from Holy Family Radio, WHYF, AM 720, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're living in the both and today with an example from Luke's Gospel 18, the story of the publican and the Pharisee, which is the first of the pre-Lenten Sundays leading into the actual Lenten season in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. You see, once again, the genius of the church. And it's something we need to emulate, to learn from in our day-to-day life. Our day-to-day lives tend to be a rhythm of going fast-paced and then cold turkey. We kind of run at things intensely, hurriedly, and then we sort of slam on the brakes. It's oftentimes the way we even do our experience or celebrate holy days or so-called holidays in the civil sphere. But in the church, the church has this wonderful, I call it the bell curve rhythm, where there's a gradual building up to the climactic moment of the feast itself. And then there is the sort of the downside of the bell curve, something like a roller coaster. When you go up, there's that anticipation at the very top, and then you go down Well, as we come down from the top of the bell curve, in other words, the feast or the event itself that we're celebrating, we eventually go out of that by sustaining a lot of what was there at the top, only in a little lesser way. This is called the post-festive. So we have a pre-festive, in other words, a preparatory period. We have the event or the feast itself. Then we have what's called the after or post-festive, which we sort of gradually come out of it, but still retaining the essence or the residue of it until we go on to the next rhythm, the next feast day. 
And this is the rhythm that is used, especially as we enter into this ascending cycle of the church. We're going to ease into Lent. We're going to have themes that prepare us, themes that have to do with humility, with desire, with repentance and fasting. These are all themes that we'll have on the Sundays before we actually begin Lent, so that we move into Lent already being acclimated to that. So it's a very, very human, very natural, very ingenious rhythm that the church uses for these great and high holy days. So one more little verse here that's an example from our morning prayer in the Byzantine Church for this Sunday. Weighed down by the teeming multitude of my sins, I have surpassed the publican in the excess of my wickedness. I have also acquired the pride of the Pharisee, and thus have been deprived of all virtues. But you, O Lord, spare me. Boy, how about that one for some down and dirty honesty about ourselves? Weighed down by the teeming multitude of my sins. Teeming multitude. Not, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good Catholic. I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven. Teeming multitude of my sins. That's what the liturgical texts say, and therefore that's what we believe. We have to believe it because we say it in church. Otherwise, we're liars or hypocrites. It says, I have surpassed the publican. In other words, the one that was the the good guy in the story. I have surpassed the publican in the excess of my wickedness. So we're calling this star of the story, you know, the good guy, the hero. We're calling him someone who had an excess of wickedness. Again, it's because he was a tax collector. I have also acquired the pride of the Pharisee and thus have been deprived of all virtue. So basically, we're telling ourselves, you know what? We're both people in this story. We're the Pharisee and the publican. We have virtues and we have vices. We have humility and we have pride. In fact, that is how we should look at every word of the Bible, the Scripture, especially in the New Testament, the entire Bible, but especially the New Testament. The New Testament, the whole of the Bible, is not a history lesson. We don't read about these famous people that were in the past and their great stories or models. Yeah, yeah, we do that too. There are models or examples. But what they really are, are us. When we read the scripture or hear the scripture, and there's, or there's a theme to the Sunday in church, such as this Sunday, anything that comes out of the scripture, we should listen to the detail of every person in that story and think to ourselves, how am I that person? Because we are. The story is our story. It's not a story we read about what happened 2,000 years ago, and we just sort of come to church to honor that. It is an entry into our story. We are the publican in many ways, and we are the Pharisee in many ways, both in their respective virtues and in their sin. It's just that in the end, we have to be more of one than the other. And the greater one in this story, of course, is the publican who had the humility So when we look at sin, we look at the scriptures, always look at them from this both-and perspective. They are about the people in the Bible and the events, but they are also about ourselves. And we are sinners and saints at the same time. Yes, we do have virtues, and certainly we're trying in, in varying degrees. We have virtues, And we also have sin. So it's not like we're, oh, I'm like the publican or I'm like the Pharisee. We're like both of them in their virtues and in their fallen side. Now, a little bit about sin from the Eastern perspective. Sometimes people ask me, do the Eastern churches ascribe to this kind of a two-level expression or understanding of sin? 
one being mortal, one being venial. Well, first of all, it goes without saying that any Eastern church that is in union with the Pope of Rome, in other words, that are part of the Catholic Church, any of these Eastern churches, of course, accept anything that the Western Church, the Catholic Church, the Holy Father teaches in accord with the teaching of the Church. The difference is in how the Eastern Church expresses it. Basically, it's a different kind of language that's used, some different concepts, different expressions, different emphasis. That's the difference. But there's not a difference in essence. So we have in the Western tradition, the so-called Catholic tradition, we have the teaching of sin as being mortal or venial. In the Eastern churches, we have the teaching of sin being, yes, uh, very serious or more serious, and one a lesser one. We call it voluntary and involuntary sin. How can a sin be involuntary? Well, I'm sure you've had this experience. Maybe not, but most of us do, I think. You got into a little fender bender. You bumped into some other car. Hopefully it wasn't serious. Sometimes it's very serious. Sometimes it's even something that ends up in death. And what's that called? It's called vehicular homicide. It's not called murder, vehicular homicide, or just a simple fender bender accident. You didn't mean to do that, did you? Absolutely not. The last thing you ever wanted to do was to bump some other car in front of you or even do something that ends up being even more serious. But you did. You were responsible for it. You weren't culpable in the same way as someone who purposely chose to do it, knowing it was wrong and lethal. But nonetheless, you're still responsible, but in a way that's lesser in its culpability. So this is what we mean by involuntary sin. We even have the statement in the civil sphere when we call it involuntary manslaughter. It is manslaughter, but it's involuntary. You didn't mean it, but it happened because of you. So you still have to pay some kind of reparation. It's very common today because you even see the signs on the highway. Don't text while you're driving. Don't text while you're driving. A lot of these kind of accidents are because people are distracted. They think they can text while they're driving. They kind of challenge or taunt fate. Don't do it. You may be successful, but eventually you're going to slip up. It's going to get you. Don't text. Don't be distracted with phones and radios and things while we're driving because we will have involuntary accidents that will be our fault and we'll have to make reparation. Okay, that's just one example. The Eastern churches also have, and it's in one of our prayers, what we call sins, transgressions, and iniquities. Sins would be pretty much what the West would call mortal or venial sins. In other words, they involve a choice on our part. The more serious ones and voluntary ones are what the West might call mortal, meaning we know it's wrong. We know it's very wrong, but we will to do it, will to do it. In other words, we, we can choose not to. We will to do it. It's not an act of passion. It's an act of will. And we actually do it those three things. That's the definition for mortal sin in the West, but also it's basically the character of these sins or voluntary sins in the Eastern churches. And then we have transgressions. Again, that's what I meant before when I mentioned about involuntary sins, transgressions. In other words, we transgressed. We offended someone, but we didn't mean to. We were a little bit careless, a little bit unthinking. We maybe caused someone to have hurt feelings or misunderstandings, never meant to really hurt we're just maybe we're a little bit insensitive, a little bit uncaring, a little bit sort of focused too much on ourselves, not aware of other people. Those are transgressions. We transgressed what is the best holy behavior 
And that's a transgression against God, but also against our fellow man. And then there is what's called the iniquities. Iniquities basically are, are well, the aspects of us spiritually, psychologically, and physically of bad health. In other words, unhealthiness, sickness of all kinds, psychological, sickness of the soul, sickness of the mind, sickness of the heart, the body, all comes from original sin. And so we ask forgiveness even for that, to be forgiven of our voluntary sins, our transgressions, and our iniquities. Just a little bit about the Eastern perspective on sin and repentance. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. WTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. (laughs) 